All right, good morning. Like two of you said hello back, so one more time. Good morning, good to see you. <laughs> How are you? How's your week been? Yeah, good, bad, ugly? Well, I just got to share a little personal insight with me. For I had my first bout with kidney stones this week. Yeah, fun times at my house. I'm just telling you, one big party on Thursday at my house, and... Um, I, I don't know, uh, I went to the hospital, you know, it was a lot of pain, I don't know if you ever had those, and a male RN nurse said to me that this is the closest thing that men will ever experience compared to childbirth. And Pam said, do not say that in public, so I'm not, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but I can promise you, if that's true, we would have only had one child at my house. <laughs> And uh, so I think it's appropriate today that I'm talking about how to use our words well, because between the pain and the pain meds on Thursday, I know I said some things that I probably regret. So to all the, the ER staff at Penrose St. Francis off of Woodman there, I just want to tell you I'm so sorry for anything I said, because I was under meds that you gave me. So anyway. <laughs> I feel better now, obviously, but uh, anybody ever experienced that? So just pray that never happens to any of you. It's not a good, good day. But anyway, better now. So turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 18. I've already shared way too much information with you. So let's get into Proverbs 18. We're going to talk today about the power of our words. And let me just ask, let me just poll the room here. And for those of you watching online, we're so grateful that you're watching. But let's just do a little informal poll here. How many of you believe or have experienced like I have, that the last two years, I've seen more vitriol, more uh, slander, more gossip, more outburst of anger, more unwise use of words than at any other time in my life. How many of you would agree that in the last two years, there's something, and I'll just say this, I think something demonic, something evil has been released through the human nature in a way I've never seen before where Two sides of, of whatever issue, and there's you know, 30 issues I could bring up today, and whatever issue I bring up, there's going to be two polarizing sides to that issue. And the way those two groups yell and scream and lob verbal bombs at one another, I have never seen anything like it in my lifetime. Now, I'm sure there have been other historical times where that may have been as bad. I personally have never experienced it in the way that I have in the last couple of years. Therefore... I think it's important we take a look at what the Bible says about the power of our words. Now, when we talk about this, a lot of times people miscategorize this as words that are only spoken. And that's not true. Words come in spoken form and words come in written form. And the Bible is talking about the use of words not only being spoken, but it's the use of words that you do with your two thumbs on a phone or behind the keyboard. And I have a phrase, I call them keyboard cowards, people that'll say a lot of things to you with a keyboard, but they'd never say them to you to your face. But for whatever reason, social media and the internet gives us the ability to truly express ourselves in a way we probably wouldn't do it if we were face to face. So words are powerful, though. Words have the ability to start wars and end wars. Words have the ability to shape policy, to change policy, to to, to break up families, to weld together families. Words have the power to raise good children or to raise broken children. That's how powerful our words are. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 18. This is wisdom literature. 
written by Solomon and a group of very wise people. And this particular literature that we're reading, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, has been studied and scrutinized and used by wise people for generations. And I love the fact that there are 31 Proverbs, so you can almost every day read one of the chapters of Proverbs and get the wisdom into you, get the wisdom into your soul. So let's look at this particular passage, and I want to, again, preface this by saying this is not a sermon that I've come up with this week. Almost everything I do uh, in my life revolves around language and voice and words, and so for the last 25 years, in sermons and in books and in lectures and in podcasts and whatever form that I use my words, the Lord has been helping shape this and form me in this. And I, uh, I can promise you at the end of the message today, I will be under much greater conviction than any of you because of how often I use words, to, both for my benefit and for my demise sometimes. So this particular passage is something that oftentimes in the middle of my day, this passage of scripture comes to me and it says the tongue, your words, your spoken words, your written words, the tongue and your words has the power of life and death. Stop just for a moment. Let's not rush past this. I want you to think of a time in your life where someone that you admired, someone you respected, someone that you cherished or honored, someone whose opinion mattered to you, someone whose approval mattered to you. I want you to think of a time that they looked you in the eye and with absolute sincerity and truth spoke life over you. I want you to think how life-changing that is when that happens. A spouse, a parent, a coach, someone that you love looks you in the eye and calls goodness, calls greatness, speaks virtue and blessing over you, affirms you, encourages you, strengthens you, brings comfort to you. Those, those, those moments in life are what causes us to keep going. I mean, it, it really has the ability to shape us and change us, to form us into the humans that we've become today. Words, in fact, I would say all of us in the room are an accumulation of the words spoken over us. Now think about what I just said. All of us in the room and all of us watching online, you are your personality, your confidence, your giftedness, your strength. You are an accumulation, an amalgamation of the words spoken over you. And now think about, I don't want you to linger on this too much today, but think about those same people, the people you valued, you trusted, you loved, you admired. Maybe they messed up and spoke something over you that caused death. Maybe they demoralized you. Maybe they said something unintentional or intentional that crushed you. This is, this is what the, the writer of the Proverbs is saying. This is how much our words matter. The tongue has the power to cause life to spring up in us or to death to loom over us. And he says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, those who respect it, those who understand what I just said about the power of words, you will eat the fruit of your words. And all of us in this room, you all know this, right? All of us in this room are eating fruit today from trees we planted years ago. Words, and those words is what planted. My marriage day, we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate 32 years of marriage next week, and I'm proud of that, I'm grateful for that. And, but 
my marriage to Pam, my relationship to Abram and Callie as their dad, is the culmination, is the fruit of the words, good and bad, that I've spoken over their life and they've spoken to me. Our relationship is founded on the power of our words. And so I'm, I'm going to tackle today three particular types of words that the book of Proverbs un, unpacks for us. And these are the, so the question I'm asking when I was looking at this message is, what type of words, because I, I don't think anybody in the room today came in going, I want to be a better jerk, so I'm coming to church today. Opie teaches me how to be more rude. Uh, no, all of us want to speak life, right, over the people in our lives. So what type words produce healing and life in us and in others? Because if you don't have it in you, you can't give it away. So the Lord wants to speak life into us so we can speak life to others. So I'm going to give you three particular words. Before we do that, I've been asking us for the last several weeks to give the Holy Spirit permission to hold up a mirror in front of our soul. So I, what, what I hope today that happens as we look at these passages of Scripture, that the Holy Spirit would shine back to us, would reflect back to us the kind of person we are and who we can become. So would you just give the Holy Spirit permission to do that kind of work? You have to give him permission to do that. So I'm going to do it with you, all right? Father in heaven, we open up your words, your scriptures, and we believe they were given to us by the Holy Spirit, translated, given to us, interpreted by men, but Lord, they were birthed and given to us by the Spirit. And Lord, if your scriptures were given to us by the Spirit, then we, we know and trust today that the Spirit can still use those words, those scriptures, to shape us, to change us, to confront us, to help us. And we give you permission for that to happen today. And we give us ears to hear today as we listen to this, these words once again. In Jesus' name we pray. If you're okay with that, say real loud, amen, so I know you're with amen. me. Amen. So let me give you these three types of words today. The first type of word that the Proverbs talks about, if you're going to receive life, be a giver of life, are wise words. Words of wisdom that come out of our mouth. Proverbs 12, verse 18 says, reckless words. Now, I'm going to stop here for a moment. Let me help you define this. Reckless words are words without boundaries. Words that, that were not uh, without empathy. Words that were spoken without thinking about them first. Words that did not have the filter of the Spirit. They came out of you. How many of you have ever spoken something and you said, you know, I wish I'd had a filter there. I wish I'd had a pause button there. I wish I could have paused that, but because once words leave our mouth, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. I don't know if you've ever tried that at home. Try that. This is what the power of our words. And that's what it means by reckless. I did not think before I hit sin. I did not think before I let that come out of my mouth. And we've all been guilty of that. Words without boundaries. Words without empathy. Words that we did not think about before we spoke. Reckless words. When those words come out of our mouth, they pierce like a sword, and it does great damage. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. And so I want to give you this definition of wisdom, and I hope you don't forget this, and I think Pastor Andrew, four, three or four weeks ago, gave you a similar definition, if not the same one. But wisdom is this art of living skillfully in whatever situation we find ourselves. Now, how many of you know that we've all had to pivot and change and, and move, move with the forces that are around us for the last couple of years? In other words, every day brings a lot of surprises. Somebody say amen, right? And you cannot, none of us 
even in the best of times, none of us can accurately predict every situation we're going to be in during the day. What wisdom does, when you invite wisdom into your life, you're saying beforehand, whatever situation I find myself in today, Father in heaven, let me bring healing and not harm. No matter what situation, no matter what conversation, Father in heaven, by the power of your spirit, because of the resurrected Jesus, would you help me bring healing and not harm in every situation that I find myself? And I, so I, 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 let me show you this passage, Proverbs 13. It says, he who walks with those kinds of people, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. So again, he's talking about health and harm, healing and helping. The, the, he who walks with the wise grows wise. In other words, it's, not, it's very simple. Wisdom in equals wisdom out. When wisdom comes into your life, wisdom will come out of your life. It's, it's really that simple. It's really that simple. So a couple of years ago, back in March of last year, when COVID hit, and we had to make a lot of great a lot of decisions. It seemed like every hour I was having to make a big decision that affected the church, the staff, my home, everyone. And then you, you couple that with, with unprecedented racial tensions that happened last year in which we were trying to be sensitive and trying to be caring and trying to bring healing into that. And then uh, political unrest and upheaval in our country. And, and last year, everyone was an epidemiologist, everyone was a racial expert, and everyone was a, had their doctoral degree in political science. All of them. Everybody was an expert. And the problem with being an expert is you're always right, and everyone else is wrong. I, I saw this in unprecedented fashion last year. And what I, what I realized that last year, when I found myself wrestling with multiple aggravations on multiple fronts, I remember one morning... The, I was praying and the Lord said, Brady, I'm going to send you wise people. Well, how, and I, my question back is, where do I find them? How do I find them? And he said, look for people who are, who are in the middle of the storm, but they are bringing peace. Because the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Peacemakers is the, is the phrase here. In other words, it's not an absence of the storm. It's the, it's, the, it's the idea that when they're in that storm, they're looking for a way to bring healing and not cause further division. He said, I'm going to show you these people. And they're going to be men and women. They're going to be young and old. And all the 12 and 13-year-olds looking. Wisdom does not depend on age. In fact, there are a lot of 12, 13, 14, 15-year-olds that are full of wisdom. You can be very young and be very wise. You can also be very old and be very foolish. So wisdom is not just, doesn't come just because you get older. Wisdom it comes because we make a choice to bring healing and not cause further harm. Wisdom is a peacemaker. So I don't know if you saw, uh, I saw this on YouTube a few months ago, and I'm actually in, a, in, in the middle of writing a book right now on reconciliation, and this particular video really marked me and it was a it, it made the news for like an hour or two hours and something else took its place but i remember the video and it happened in louisville kentucky on the day of the kentucky derby in may of this year there was a protest going down like main street downtown louisville 
and they were protesting uh, the racial issues there in the Louisville Police Department, and they were getting animated and aggravated, and they come upon a French restaurant in downtown Louisville, and a group of the protesters walked into the outdoor seating of this restaurant and started confronting the people eating their, their lunch. Well, some people that were eating their lunch stood up, and one of the guys pulls the weapon. So you have this guy who was pulling a weapon, pointing it at a group of protesters that were coming his way. Everything, it had all the ingredients of something really bad about to happen. Angry protesters, someone who felt violated, pulling a weapon. All of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, you can look at this this afternoon, find this on YouTube yourself, it's, it's a remarkable video. Out of nowhere, this strong black woman walks in between the two groups and says, Stop it! Stop it! No! This is not going to happen. No! And she puts her hands like this, and the two groups back away from each other. And I thought, that is a wise woman. Here's a woman that saw a situation that was about to spiral out of control. And out of an act of courage, she steps in between the two groups and says, no, no, we're not going to do this. I heard she said this, we're not going to do this. Now, who was right and who was wrong? Okay, we can debate that all night. But sometimes it doesn't, it's, it's more important than right and wrong is not always the most important thing. Because some of you are right in being unwise. You can be right about a topic, right about an issue, right about a concern, but be unwise in the way you're speaking about it. So it's important to know right from wrong. I hope you all know right from wrong. But it's also important to know the difference between wise and foolish. And the Bible says when we use our words, you cannot use the excuse that you're right to be foolish. Well, I'm right about this, so you deserve to hear my foolishness. <laughs> you may be right. You may have all your facts lined up. But the second question you have to ask outside of are you right or wrong, am I being wise or am I being foolish? And this lady, she, both sides, if you would have interviewed both sides in this group, the protesters who were marking down the streets, the guy who stood up with a weapon, all of them could have justified the fact that they, we're right. We have a right to do this, I have a right to bear arms, I have a right to protest. But they were being foolish in the way they were confronting one another. And this woman steps in between them and says, stop it. This is foolish. That is the tongue of the wise. And this is what God's calling us to do right now in our culture. This is, I believe, my role as the pastor of New Life is not to get in, into debates about right and wrong. And I'm not here to tell you to compromise your convictions. As your pastor, I'm telling you, let's choose wise over foolish. Let's make sure that our words are sprinkled and saturated with grace. Let's make sure that when we are right, that our words honor and revere and are ambassadors to the resurrected Christ. Let's make sure we're sounding like Jesus, looking like Jesus, and accurately representing Jesus when we use our words. Somebody say amen if you're okay with that. So the, the first type of words is wise words. Here's the second group of words, are timely words. Words in due season. In other words, words that are appropriate for right now to this person. Now I'm gonna give you a bold and dangerous prayer to pray. Because 25 years ago, a friend of mine named Ken Jackson prayed this prayer. And it was based out of Proverbs 25 verse 11, a word aptly spoken. I love this, a word that is spoken in due season. Some of the translations of the Bible says, 
a word spoken in due season, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. In other words, it's beautiful, I guess. I don't really know what apples of gold looks like with silver, but apparently it's a beautiful thing 3,000 years ago. And he says, are you willing, listen very carefully in your life, are you willing to be an instrument that God uses to speak life into a person if he prompts you to do so during the middle of the day? In other words, are you bold enough to walk up to someone and give them a word in due season? So my friend Ken prayed that prayer. He was saying, Lord, I want to be someone that you can trust and that you can use for that. So he was the chief bellhop at a hotel at the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, the, Hyatt, the old Hyatt Hotel. For over 20 years, Ken Jackson was lord of the lobby. He was the guy overseeing everything in the lobby at the Hyatt Airport. And on a Monday morning, a few years ago, a group of pastors from Central America checked into the hotel, and they were going to be there all week for a pastor's conference. And Ken looks at this group of pastors that walk in, and there's one particular pastor that stood out to him, and the Lord, he says, the Lord spoke to him to go tell that pastor, dig, one word, dig. And Ken goes, can I have a sentence? Can I have you know, a noun, a verb, you know, an adjective, something, a prepositional phrase, something else. And he said, no, go tell him one word, dig. So that was Monday. And he doesn't want to go up to a pastor who he doesn't even know speaks English and say, dig. So Monday, Tuesday, every time the pastor would walk through the lobby and Ken would see him, the Lord would say, dig, 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 dig. And Ken would go, no, 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 I'm not telling him that. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're checking out. They have their bags in their hands. They're walking out of the lobby of the hotel. Ken goes, he realizes, I have this, I'm never going to see this guy again. So he walks over to the guy. He says, do you speak English? And the guy goes, you know, muy piquito, small about me. So he brings someone over to interpret for him. He said, pastor, all week long, every time you walk through the lobby, the Lord gives me one word to speak to you. And the pastor goes, well, what is it? And Pastor Ken goes, dig. And the pastor just melts. This pastor was pastoring in a small village, Central America. And the Sunday before he flew to the United States on Monday, they had a leadership meeting at their church. Their church was growing. People were coming to Christ. And they were out of land. And they, they had, he told his leadership team, I'm going away to this pastor's meeting. When I get back, let's pray that the Lord would speak to us because we need to make a decision. Should we dig out the back of the mountain and expand our building here, or should we buy some land down the street and build a new building? And the bellhop at the Hyatt Hotel in Dallas-Fort Worth Airport says, dig! That, that's a true story, and I have a hundred more stories. I have lots of stories like that. Here's what I, I need some new life stories. I'm asking you to pray that prayer this week. Father in heaven, if there's a word that needs to be aptly spoken, that would bring life and healing to the people around me, I'm willing. Even if it makes me look foolish, I'll take the risk. And I'm asking you to pray that prayer because the world right now needs people who will speak words in due season to people. Listen to this, simple words spoken at strategic times can bring healing. Simple words. You don't have to be a theological genius. You don't have to be a poet. You just have to be obedient. Simple words spoken at strategic times 
can bring healing, can change the destiny of churches in Central America. So, so here's the first wise words, timely words, and here's the third type of word that we need more than ever in our culture right now are kind words. Words of kindness. Proverbs 12, verse 25 says, an anxious heart weighs a man down. Do you know how much depression and anxiety is going on in El Paso County? Some of the local mental health facilities right now have declared a state of emergency in El Paso County for the number of, of patients that they're seeing for anxiety and depression right now. You know why? Because their hearts are weighed down. Think about if you're looking for a mission from God, if you're looking for an assignment from the Lord, use your kind words. It says an anxious heart weighs a man down but a kind word cheers him up, a kind word. When I was in a hospital this week, just in the ER, there was a, the RN was tending me and I, I started asking him, how, how did you handle the past year? How, how have you been? How, how, how much stress have you been under as a healthcare provider during a pandemic? And he started sharing some stories with me. I said, how did you keep your soul clean? How did you stay strong? And he said, I turned off the news. I just, don't, I just turned off all of the news. And he said, I just focused on my work. And I said, thank God, that's a wise young man. And, and, and he, he was telling, the reason I'm speaking to him, I'm trying to find ways to speak kind words into stressed out people. When you find a waitress or a, anyone at all that's stressed out, speak kind words to them. This is not complex. You ever heard the phrase growing up that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? It's simply not true. That's a lie. It is the worst thing you've ever heard in your life because words do hurt. And so I was, I was reading recently about one of the most comprehensive studies ever done. It was, it was focused primarily on marriage, okay? But it also uh, involved friendships. So for those of you that are not married, all of us have people in our lives that we wanna be close to, friends, relatives, co colleagues, whatever. And the most comprehensive marriage study ever done showed that, not, listen to this, 90% of couples who repeatedly criticized one another, ended up divorced. And 90% of relationships in general, where you could not speak life to one another, that relationship is doomed to fail. That, this, is, this is startling to me, stunning to me, but it should not surprise us. So here's the four steps that they gave us, okay? The four phases that, 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 that starts with this. The phase number one is when a, a couple or a friend or a relationship has constant criticism or sarcasm. Now, criticism's obvious, but a lot of people mask their criticism through the lens of sarcasm. And listen, let me tell you something about sarcasm. Sarcasm is like vinegar. A little bit it will do you. If, you, if, you're, if your only way of being funny is being sarcastic, you're not helping the people around you. It may be funny to you, but if it's not funny to everyone, it's not funny to anyone. And sarcasm sometimes is our passive-aggressive way of being critical. But when that is a common thread, Pam and I, over 32 years of marriage, we hang out with other married couples, and we can almost accurately predict with, with stunning accuracy which couples are having a good marriage just by listening to them. The way they speak to one another, the way they criticize. If sarcasm is a constant thing in their marriage, that marriage is almost always headed to a bad place. So this study proves this, that criticism or sarcasm is the beginning step. And then it le le leads to contempt and anger. This anger, 
Because if you're constantly being criticized, you're going to be defensive and your response is going to be anger, which leads to the third step, which is stonewalling, emotionally checking out, which means you're already headed to a place of divorce. You're headed to that relationship ending, which ends to the fourth step, separation and divorce. Here's what this study proves. All the married people in the room. If you want your marriage to get better, you have to speak life to the person you're married to. If, you're, if you want destruction in your marriage, then you speak death. If you want health in your marriage, you speak life. And I can, when I do marriage counseling with couples, I'm not going to fix your spouse. I'm going to fix your words. I'm going to help you reshape and reform your words. And when a couple, a man and a woman, begin to speak to each other out of respect, when they begin to speak life to one another, almost every marriage I've ever tried to help survives. Almost all divorces start with criticism. This is why our words are so powerful. And all of you in the room, if you, there, maybe there's a friendship, maybe there's a relationship that you want to, for it to get better. If we can control our words, we can save almost every relationship. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. This morning, I told you that at the end of this message, I would be more convicted than the rest of you. So I'm really ready to pray right now because I know I need help with this. I need to get better. I want my words to be sharper. I want wise words. I want timely words. And I want kind words. Would you stand up this morning? Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for ourselves. Let's pray for each other. Let's ask the Lord to help us. And this morning, the last thing that I want you to walk out of here, I don't want you to walk out of here thinking, well, I just need to be better. I just need to do good. I just need to have more discipline. You know, the Bible says that our tongue is like a raging wildfire. The book of James says that our tongue is like a rudder that guides a big ship. And we live in wildfire parts of the world. We have seen what a small spark can do. Someone being hazard, you know, being haphazard with a campfire, or someone throwing out something out of the window, how that one little spark can damage hundreds of thousands of acres and cause billions of dollars of damage. And that's what the Bible says, that the power of our words, one little spark can cause a wildfire of destruction. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I'm powerless against that kind of force. But the good news is, is that Jesus has come and he's given us the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I am your shepherd and my sheep will hear my voice. They will hear me and they will follow me. So the good news is you don't have to do this on your own. The good news is if you make Jesus your shepherd, you can start listening to a better voice. You can start listening to him. And we can start asking him for help. And so maybe today you've never really submitted yourself to, the, to Jesus. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to surrender your life to Jesus because you have seen firsthand how destructive your words are and you cannot fix this on your own. You can't do it by yourself. We have to have help. All of us have help. We just close your eyes with me this morning. Father in heaven, I surrender my life to Jesus. I need help. Would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Father in heaven, I have been destructive with my words. I've used my words to harm, but I'm asking you today that my words be used for healing. And I can't do it on my own. 
So come, Holy Spirit. Father, would you give us words of life? Let us speak life. Let us speak life over people around us. In just a moment, we're going to sing, and I think one of the powerful things about worship, about prayer and about worship, is it reshapes our language. And the reason we need to learn to pray the scriptures and the reason we need to sing these songs is because we need to retrain our, our tongue and retrain our imagination to speak life, to use our words differently. And in just a moment, we're going to come to the table, we're going to take the bread and we're going to take the juice. I, I know this, I've never thought of it until today actually, but I love that the bread and the juice has to pass over my tongue in order to be ingested. The body and the blood of Jesus have to pass over my tongue every single Sunday. I am consecrating, I am dedicating, I am surrendering my tongue, my mouth. It all has to go over my tongue. And I think of that this morning as a way of the Lord, would you come and reshape me? Holy Spirit, Jesus, would you come and take control of this instrument in my body that's causing so much harm? Jesus, would you now come and be the center of my soul, the center of my words? Can we just pray that? Father, I pray now we surrender our lives to you. And we lift up our voices to sing these songs and we pray these prayers and we pray that as we sing, as we pray, that you would reshape us and reform us, that you would empower us to speak life. And we pray this now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's sing this song together and then we'll come to the table of the Lord. Father, we surrender. Come shape us as we sing. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus, our Savior, I believe in God, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name. In our defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light. Forever seated high. I believe in God our Father. I believe. The sun, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I 
virgin birth I believe in the saints communion and in your holy church I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again for I I love how Pastor Brady challenged us this morning to listen for the voices that are making peace and speaking wisdom. And that even up to Jesus' death, that he was doing that, he, that he was making peace and he was speaking wisdom. And through the power of his Holy Spirit, now today, we're invited to do the same. Let's come to the table together this morning. It was on the night that Jesus was handed over to suffer and die, that he took the bread. And after he gave it to the disciples, he broke it and he said, this is my body that has been broken for you. Take, eat, and do so in remembrance of me. Let's take the body together this morning. And on that same night, he took the cup and he gave it to the disciples and he said, this is my blood that has been poured out for you. Take and drink. And when you do so, do so in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. And now with everything that has breath, let's just begin to praise believe, Him right now in this moment. joined us this morning for church. If today is your first time with us or your first time back in a long time, we would love to meet you out in Connect Central, get to know your story a little bit and help you get connected. 
And while there are no section community parties this morning, we do have Desperation Conference coming up. So make sure you go out and see Pastor Aaron and get signed up or sign up someone that you know. We also want to continue to give you guys opportunities to pray together. And so we would like to invite the prayer team up this morning. We are here to pray with you and for you and partner with you in prayer. If we could just open up our hands this morning to receive a blessing. May you know that you have a God who speaks life over you. That he declares that you are the head, you are not the tail. And that we have never seen his righteous out, forsaken or looking for bread. And may you know as you go from this place that you have the power to speak life into a world that is desperate for hope and for the life of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, we want to thank you for being here with us. Go in peace and we will see you next week.